Good morning. My name is Jay Rosenthal. I'm the Managing Director of Business of Cannabis. Welcome back to the Business of Cannabis show for Thursday, February 17th. Since 2017, we've highlighted the companies, brands, people, and trends driving the cannabis industry, which is what we like to do here every day. After the rundown of the key stories we're following, we'll get to our B of C Live segment, where today we'll be joined by Deepank Utkede, who is the founder and director of Vantage Hemp Company. We'd love to hear from you in the comments, and always feel free to visit us at businessofcannabis.com, as well as through all of our social channels at Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and please do subscribe to our YouTube channel. A few announcements. Next Thursday, one week from today, we'll be convening online for our monthly retail series. This month, we'll have a focus on the new guidance from regulators on the relationship between brands and retailers in Ontario. On March 10th, we'll be in Brooklyn for New York uh, BFC New York Sessions. We'll be talking about connecting social equity licensees with capital. And April 6th, Business of Cannabis Miami, talking all things cannabis, retail tech, design, and data. All the information is in the description below. For today's stories, Jones Soda and Monster want to ride the cannabis drinks wave. There's no limit on cannabis sales licenses in New Mexico. Minority Cannabis Business Association's Amber Littlejohn is headed to the U.S. House of Representatives, virtually. And I Am Cannabis shifts away from M&A towards integration. For our first story, cannabis drinks were one of the fastest, are one of the fastest-growing cannabis categories last year, according to Headset, selling more than $64 million in California alone, that according to the story in Forbes. So it's not a surprise that two drink giants, Jones Soda and Monster, are making moves into the space following big brands like Constellation before them. Now, Seattle-based Jones Soda raised $11 million and scooped up a Canadian shell company with plans to develop cannabis drinks, that according to MJ Biz Daily. And rumor has it that energy drinks maker Monster Beverage Corp could be making a deal with Constellation Brands, the company already heavily invested in canopy growth, according to Market Realist. Now, while there are already plenty of cannabis drinks options in California, many brands are available within only one state, which creates an opportunity for emerging brands to make an impact in less mature markets. Even earlier this week, maybe even yesterday, we covered Cannes CEOs move from L.A. to New York City. Now, more than 100, so for our second story, more than 100 applications have already been filed in New Mexico to transform medical cannabis stores, tobacco shops, and even a strip club into adult-use cannabis stores, that according to KRQE. And unlike some states, there's no limit to the number of retail licenses available. Now, here are some of the details. Applications were filed in early December, and licensed stores can open for sale starting April 1st, 2022. Each municipality has its own requirements. For example, in Albuquerque, stores can't be within 300 feet of a school or a daycare, and stores have to be a minimum of 600 feet from each other. In Albuquerque alone, with a population of nearly 600,000, within the city, there are already 80 licenses under consideration. Earlier applicants will get first dibs on locations so long as they meet other requirements. For our third story, Amber Littlejohn, the executive director of the Minority Cannabis Business Association and a guest speaker at Business of Cannabis New York Sessions coming up on March 10th, will testify before the U.S. House of Representatives Subcommittee on Consumer Protection and Financial Institutions, according to a press release. At a virtual hearing titled Small Businesses, Big Impact, Ensuring Small and Minority-Owned Businesses Share in the Economic Recovery, Littlejohn will share the challenges uh, and ongoing barriers minority cannabis is minority-owned cannabis businesses face in the industry, such as the effects of federal prohibition and the lack of access to federal relief programs. 
for our final story. International powerhouse IM Cannabis, which operates cannabis facilities in Israel, Canada, and Germany, is slowing down on its recent M&A spree to focus on tightening and integrating its new acquisitions into a cohesive team geared for growth, this according to BusinessCan. Quote, we've done acquisitions, but now we need to integrate them and make sure that we are growing organically, said CEO Oren Schuster. To grow only by M&A is very easy, but M&A is fun fundamental for organic growth because this is the added value that M&A brings. Now, we've often had Oren Schuster on Business of Cannabis and BFC Live, so please check out the full catalog of that on our website at businessofcannabis.com. Those are the stories we're watching today. Join 10,000 others and catch all these stories and more in your inbox every day at 7 a.m. Eastern with our Cannabis Daily Newsletter. Coming up on BFC Live, a conversation with Deepank Utkede, who is the founder and a director of Vantage Hemp Company based in Greeley, Colorado. We're connecting with him to talk about Vantage's approach to hemp extraction and the sector overall. Deepank, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm glad we can. Before we get into Vantage Hemp, uh, you are in Greeley, Colorado. Is that as perfect Correct. as in my mind it is? It is pretty idyllic. Um, we're Greeley, for those who don't know, is one hour almost directly north of Denver, of the Denver airport. So it's really convenient. Uh, you're outside of the hustle bustle of, the, of, of Denver. Um, it's, you can see the mountains, it's on the plains, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to uh, Toronto or Ontario. Uh, we don't have any mountains within a yeah. couple hundred miles of here. The weather yeah. is awful in February. We kind of have skiing, but it's really like very small hill skiing. And so when I hear people in Colorado, it's like, that seems well, like a we... better place to spend winter. Yeah, uh, it is actually. It's it's really nice. It, it it's interesting. You know the so I'm from Vancouver. So um, when when before we started this business, uh, my thoughts of Colorado was it was snow covered all the time, and it was cold and <laughs> it was dark. Uh, I get down here and uh, going through the stats, they have oh, we have in Colorado over 300 days of sun. It rarely snows down in the, in the bottom part here, but uh, Aspen, Vail, Breckenridge, Winter Park, literally two to three hours away, beautiful world-class skiing, um, you know, at the same level of like Whistler. Uh, now you're just of, trying uh, to kill me. You're literally trying no, to kill No, sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about the business. So not enough about, it's never enough about Colorado, uh, but yeah. um, kind of John Denver in that respect. Um, Talk to me about Vantage Hemp. Tell me about the business, sort of the positioning, how you got right. there, all those things. Right. So really, we saw an opportunity, um, myself and uh, four other um, founders saw an opportunity uh, in the U.S. CBD market when the farm bill uh, was approved in 2018. Uh, so the following year, we basically picked Colorado. Uh, we, after an extensive search through different states, um, picked Colorado uh, as our home base and uh, proceeded with um, developing and, and, and uh, establishing Vantage Hemp. Um, what we looked at is uh, also we, when we do, 
looked at what part of the business we wanted to get into, we saw when we looked at you know the companies that one if you if you went seed to shelf, it was an incredibly capital intensive and people intensive proposition. Um, and really, if you if you looked at the three main parts of hemp uh, and and CBD, you've got growing of the hemp, you've got the extraction, and then you got the finished goods. We saw, you know, there is a huge brain trust of growing agricultural knowledge that is generational. And we thought, you know what, let's leave it to them. They're the experts. That's not our thing. So we, we left it to them and we wisely so because it is, it's not an easy crop to grow um and it's very finicky and so we left it to the professionals best to do that and we looked at finished and we looked at finished products there's i mean a very well established both in the nutraceutical and pharmaceutical uh, base of production facilities all throughout the u.s big small medium just everywhere so that capability was already there where we saw the, the lack of knowledge and the lack of uh, capacity was extraction and large scale extraction. There's a lot of like boutique extraction uh, facilities, uh, but what we want to do is be able to supply, you know, the Novartis's, the, the PepsiCo's, if they got into it, the Coke's, you know, the large scale uh, vendors that would need large amounts of pure API, uh, pure CBD to, uh, to, to put in products. So that's, that's why we got it. That's why we, when we built Vantage, we, we focus on extraction and it turned out to be the, the right call. Um, we also, when we, when we were designing and uh, building the facility and establishing our procedures, we, we looked at worldwide and also the US and looked at, well, how are they going to regulate it? Um, the FDA has been from the beginning very clear. It is a drug, uh, and it will be approved as a drug. It will never be approved as a. Uh, it, to date, they basically said it will never be approved as a new dietary ingredient, because the regulations are stated. Once it's approved as a drug, you can't go backwards. The only way you could do it is if you approved it as a new dietary supplement. And then approved, then subsequently proved it as a drug. So, when you look at it from that point of view, and we looked at what the rest of the world was doing, and they were treating it and controlling it like a drug. And you know, I gotta say, I, I agree with it. I mean, it is something that people take for their health and wellness. It has very specific pharmacological effects. It binds to a very specific set of receptors in the body. So, it's a drug. Um, so the quality needs to be there. And because of that, when we looked at you know, worldwide and, and domestically, we knew that, you know, we had to be GMP. We had to be pharmaceutical GMP, uh, in order to produce a, a, a product of high quality and consistency and with using a robust manufacturing process that gives our customers the confidence to use our product. Yeah. And talk a little about that because a lot of those things you said seem, oh yeah, that's what we'll do. That makes sense. But like Mm -hmm. in the context of what is or was and is happening in the States, like talk Mm -hmm. about that vis-a-vis what others might be doing, right? Like you've set up your facility to be GMP, uh, right? Um, Yeah. You've planned ahead that this is going to be treated 
much more like a pharma than a food input, right? Um, right. Like, like that, that's, those are major expenses and, and it needs a very specific type of facility. Talk a little bit about sort of the thinking of the facility and also sort of the landscape in which you're operating. Uh, right. Things. So, and uh, excellent question. And it, it's a, it's a very broad question. There's a, there's a lot of pieces that, that fit into that. Um, so, I mean, let's start with the facility. The facility really is um, uh, it's designed around control. And so what we've done is, so there's two parts of the facility. One is safety. We, because we use um, uh, not only CO2 extraction, we use liquid propane for extraction. So those are in special rooms with special safety features on them. But what we've also done is um, instead of having the entire, like, so you have the extraction, you have winterization, distillation and crystallization. Um, what, what, how we've done, what we've done is we've set up each one of those processes in a separate room. So you can have multiple processes going on without uh, multiple batches going on in the same room because you can only have one batch or process going on in a room at a time. So uh, facilities that have winterization, distillation and crystallization occurring in the same room, you can only do one batch at a time because you can't mix and match these, um, uh, mix and you can't have multiple processes going on because they're all different batches. Um, in terms of you know uh, the procedures that we've set up, uh, the policies that we set up, every piece of equipment has an SOP that governs how it's operated. That's just how it operates. In terms of how it's how the manufacturing process occurs, we have master batch records that step by step describe each step of the process. But along with that is every time a step is completed, it requires two-person verification. One, the first person verifies that they've completed the step. The second person basically is verifying that the first person completed it. So there's always a verification to ensure that it's just not one person saying, yeah, yeah, I did, I did, I did. Uh, it's it's always two people. So that that the impact of that is on your personnel and your, your head count because you can no longer have just one person doing distillation, one person doing winterization. You have to have a minimum of two people in each one of these processes. So you always have that first person, you know, who, who's doing it and the second person verifying and they just kind of switch on and off. We also, uh, because we value safety and, and hold it at, at a very high standard here, we, we've put in place procedures that ensure that there's always two people doing every process. So if there's ever a situation where you know a person goes down or something, there's always someone else that could be there to help uh, or call for help. Um, the 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 follow-on to just establishing those procedures, we and we had a very uh, comprehensive development pathway because you know this is a very new industry. Um, and, and this is you know, the, all the processes and procedures um, and manufacturing processes are are being developed. Basically, as we say, we're paving the road as we drive it. Right. So so there's no, you know, it, it's there's not like 60 years of, you know, crystallized uh, salt crystallization uh, uh, chemistry um, uh, history that. Uh, we can just draw on where we're, we're developing. So we're, we're getting like, and, and because we we're, we built a large scale process, we went to a lot of manufacturers that were building for the first time, large scale equipment because everything was boutique until legalization. 
it was all very small. So they they took the small thing and they just, okay, we'll make it big, but things don't scale <laughs> always. So when we got the equipment, we really, it was a concerted effort between us and the manufacturer. They hadn't already gone out of business, which a lot of our manufacturers did. Um, us and the manufacturer or us developing, taking the equipment, running the process and then developing the process to optimize both the extraction efficiency and the quality of the material that came out of it. Um, once we've kind of completed that, we've got our process established, then we enter a phase called validation. Um, and this is, this, this is a critical part that leads into the DMF, uh, the drug master file. Uh, validation is basically, uh, there's basically three parts to it. There's an installation qualification where you basically prove that you've installed your equipment correctly uh, there's an operational qualification which says that the equipment is operationally uh, doing what it should. Like the alarms are going off. If it has a temperature range of 10 to 80 degrees, if you try to put in minus five, it won't let you. Um, that, you know, when you turn it on, it actually turns on. Yes. When you press start, uh, start mixing, it starts the mixer. So that's the operational qualification. And then the critical part is uh, process validation. And what process validation is, is basically, uh, and all of these are all about documenting and documentation. It's documenting that your manufacturing process is robust and reproducible. So with process validation, basically you, you set up uh, the process that you're gonna use is usually based on your batch record. And you basically, and you do it three different batches to prove that it's reproducible and they have to be successive batches. Um, they can't be like, not, we did a thousand know, and three of them are the same. A three, a three, and we, we're gonna pick these three. Right. <laughs> That's not a robust or reproducible process. So you do three successive batches, you test them and you show and you demonstrate that, you know, it's uh, under those conditions, it produces uh, your, your final product that meets your quality requirements. It's it's very robust. It also it's it's not that different, or or is actually maybe exactly similar to what's happening here in Canada on the cannabis front, and actually the right. front too. But but it is you know it's these robust processes that other sectors, pharma most notably, and food, yeah. um, you know, are 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 up to snuff. It's just not necessarily in new industries. It's very difficult to do because again, you said like there's no 50 year history of doing exactly what yeah. you're doing. That exactly. I mean, I don't know. There's since the materials moved in, that's the history that sort of, you know, over the past couple of years. And I guess the, sort of that lends itself to sort of a business strategy question is like, how, 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 how far ahead um, mm -hmm. are you of, of, I guess, other players, or are you just set for uh, like, how big is the moat, I guess, for the business? Like, you know, are you set up for success long-term because of yes. the scale, the processes you've gone through all these things? And now, yeah. as like you've mentioned, the companies coming in or potentially coming in down the road, pharma, Pepsi, whatever it is, like mm -hmm. they're going to be looking for people like you that says, oh, these guys have a track record, four years, mass quantities, you know, oils, distillates, isolates, the whole bit. Like, yeah. is, is that sort of, obviously that's the game plan, but, but how, how is that progressing? So, and that goes back to our original business plan when we, when we start setting up, okay, we need to be GMP. Because if you go food, if you start with food, it's very, it's, people may, can fool themselves to say, oh, it's a small jump to pharmaceutical. It's not. It's, 
if you if you go to uh, food and you want to do uh, uh, full GMPs, it's a it's a pretty it's, it's time consuming and it's a huge capital expenditures because you often will have to redesign your facility, uh, put in uh, uh, more controls. Um, it's it's not just as easy as saying you know we'll just change a few procedures. It's not. Oftentimes it will require some pretty significant capital upgrades to your facility. If you start a GMP you've automatically encompassed food, new, new, new dietary ingredient, you've encompassed everything else because GMP is kind of the highest standard uh, for production because it's, it's our drug regs. Mm -hmm. So once you've achieved that, it allows you to not only go after the, the pharma industry, but it allows you to also be able to supply everything below that as well. So we're, we're poised not just to really focus on pharma because the thing with pharmaceutical development is it's a slow burn, right? It is, it's not like, oh, I have this idea for a formulation. I'm just going to make it and put it on the shelf. It is uh, years and years and years, anywhere from eight to 10 years of development where you're doing toxicity studies and clinical studies and you know submitting it to the FDA or whatever regulatory body for market authorization and then getting approval and then putting it on market it's a long drawn out process so um that one you know you need to get in early with uh, with farmer because it's very difficult to change your your suppliers um halfway through or you know when you're near the end you're like oh no i want to go with these guys it's not that easy so it's a very long drawn out process so um we, we want to be able to supply the, the 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 pharma companies early on, but then you know we can still at the same time be able to have capacity supply the Cokes, the Pepsi's, the you know the Gatorades for any recovery drinks or or whoever comes to the table who are outside of the pharma industry. So what that allowed, it, it gave us kind of a um, all we hit the highest standards so we can hit everyone. I like it. Like plan for the future. Like it's, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's much more difficult to, yeah. to plan. It's, I mean, I yeah. know you, you mentioned Lord, building the road while you're driving on it, but at least you know yeah. the road you're on has yeah. lots of applications as opposed to like a, a single lane road, right? It's it's right. actually a it's a super highway that you're building. It's 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 running. It's running really fast. And what we're seeing is because of um because of the the capital needed to to achieve GMP um, and the the way the industry is going and you know a lot of companies thought they needed to be seat the shelf they they kind of burned through their capital what we're seeing is a lot of uh, the smaller players the more boutique players yeah or even the big ones they're they're downsizing and they're they're downsizing significantly uh, to the point where they're going from you know brick and mortar to virtual where they're everyone's working from home uh, and they're uh, they're uh, using contract manufacturers to do everything rather than doing it Charlie. And that's where we kind of fit in. So we can be their supplier. So they don't have to do extraction in-house. We've recently, um, uh, about six months ago, expanded into, into supplying finished goods. Um, and we're, we're doing it at a pharma level. We're doing it at a, uh, at a, G, a GMP compliant um processes to to be able to not only uh help with uh or supply pharmaceutical companies for their clinical trials or and the ultimate approval but also anyone else who wants to you know put a product on the healthcare market which is just uh, straight straight to the shelf
So that allows us to um, uh, work with these companies uh, as they're downsizing, that we can, we can upsize to meet their demands and their needs. And that's where we're seeing uh, our biggest growth right now is because these companies, because companies are now going through this kind of, let's call it asset light uh, models rather than the asset heavy models. When and they and if they out. think they want to be an asset heavy model, they should watch the beginning of this conversation because you yeah. run through a pretty good rundown of sort of how, how complex it is and can be. It, 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 absolutely. So yeah, so it, these asset light models, they, they basically are coordinating, they, they need to coordinate someone to manufacture their API, then they need someone to make, fin, do it in their finished goods. We, um, um, uh, uh, what we can do, uh, how we can help them is we can be their API supplier plus their finished goods supplier, kind of all in one. So it's a, a we call it the one throat to choke. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I, I really appreciate hearing about you, hearing about Greeley, first of all, but hearing about you, the business and, and how you're doing advantage. And I hope Hope you'll pick me up at the airport when I decide to come there to sort of take. A Absolutely, look. So like, just let me know when you're coming in. <laughs> I will. I'm thinking like some Mar a March trip to Greeley would be coincide with some nice spring skiing. So um, oh, yeah. I I appreciate the time. Thank you so much, and we'll connect with you down the road. Sounds good. Excellent. That was episode 30 of the Cannabis Daily Show. Thank you for joining us here on YouTube, and please do subscribe. And we will see you tomorrow.